Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hello, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Today's episode is about a study that came out in May in a scientific journal called Reproductive Biology and Endocrinology. The article is called Does Body Mass Index Impact Assistive Reproductive Technology Treatment Outcomes in Gestational Carriers? It's a mouthful, but it's a good question. Before we delve into the study's answer, I want to make sure that everyone listening has an understanding about what a gestational carrier is and what body mass index is. Body mass index is a measure of body fat based on height and weight, and it typically goes by its acronym, BMI. A person's BMI is determined by dividing their weight by their height, and from there, a person is labeled as underweight, normal weight, overweight, obese, or morbidly obese. To help visualize this, say someone is 5'9". If that person weighs 124 pounds or less, they'd be considered underweight. If that person weighed 125 to 168 pounds, that 5'9 person, they would be considered of a normal or healthy weight. If that person weighed 169 to 202 pounds, they'd be considered overweight. And a person who weighs over 203 pounds and is 5'9", they'd be considered obese. To better visualize this further, I've also included a BMI chart on the show notes for today's episode. As you've probably learned lately from the news, Obesity is associated with increased chances of catching and then having complications from COVID-19. And though we know that obesity doesn't pair well with COVID-19, the jury is still out on how obesity impacts assisted reproductive technology like IVF. The studies on natural conception show that being obese just before being pregnant can increase the risks of problems and death even in mothers and babies. But in IVF cycles, Not enough studies have detected a difference in pregnancy rates and in miscarriage rates in obesity to derive a firm conclusion. Thus, not only does today's study want to answer that question, but it also hopes to strengthen its answers by comparing the BMI in women who transfer their own embryos created through IVF to the BMI in women who are gestational carriers. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what a gestational carrier is, This is a woman who has already given birth before and now is carrying a baby that typically isn't hers biologically. This baby has been conceived through the help of IVF and has been transferred as an embryo into this woman who becomes the gestational carrier. Gestational carriers are also sometimes called surrogates, and truly they are life bringers for gay male couples and for women who cannot carry their own baby for medical reasons. I've put up some links in the show notes to learn more about gestational carriers, and if you want to see the human stories behind being a gestational carrier, I highly recommend a PBS documentary that came out last year called Made in Boise. Do not watch it without a box of Kleenex by your side. I cried so hard. Since the gestational carrier is being commissioned to carry the baby, it makes sense that her health and her ability to safely carry the baby are very important. Thus, with an understanding of how obesity, measured by BMI for this study, can definitely impact some health conditions and might impact IVF, let's get into the nitty-gritty of what the study's about. 
It took place in one fertility center in Toronto, Canada during the years 2003 to 2016. During this time, 188 patient cases involved a gestational carrier. The study authors looked up a lot of information about these gestational carriers, including their BMIs, what their lifestyle and habits were, and the type of embryo transfer situations they had had. With this information, the authors had aimed to match these gestational carriers in a one-to-one ratio to women that they labeled as generally infertile. By generally infertile, they meant any woman of childbearing age who was seeking fertility treatment who was not a gestational carrier. This means that the study included women with almost all fertility issues. The only women who were excluded were women who had already demonstrated issues maintaining pregnancy, like women with recurrent pregnancy loss or repeated embryo implantation failure. When doing this one-to-one comparison of the gestational carriers to the generally infertile, the authors hypothesized that the gestational carriers would have more success with pregnancy and with giving birth compared to the generally infertile, regardless of BMI. To test their hypothesis, the authors did a deep dive into the medical histories of all of these patients, looking at charts at the fertility centers, doing patient interviews, and looking into national databases to try to obtain as much relevant information as possible. What they found after doing all of this research was that yes, more gestational carriers successfully got pregnant and gave birth compared to the generally infertile women. These results make sense because the gestational carriers already had a track record of getting pregnant and giving birth, which is why they were selected to carry in the first place. Also, the authors did a less than perfect job of matching up the two groups because as it turns out, the gestational carriers had healthier lifestyles before getting pregnant and had fewer additional medical problems compared to the generally infertile. So these results aren't exactly giving us useful information. Regarding the impact of BMI, after the authors performed a ton of statistical tests, the results showed that BMI itself did not impact the ability to become or carry out a pregnancy. Honestly, I do not feel like the authors gave a good reason to explain their results. They mentioned a previous study from 2015 on obesity that had shown something similar, but they didn't give a detailed explanation for why or how these results connected or even why they incurred in the first place. I ultimately suspect the authors were not jazzed by the results of their study. At the end of their paper, they wrote, these findings should be interpreted with caution. Well, I'm going to throw caution to the wind here and say that these findings told us very little. There were so many differences between the gestational carriers and the generally infertile groups, and all of which I've posted in the show notes, that we aren't really doing a one-to-one comparison to begin with. Also, to get back to the BMI part, I question if BMI was really the best way to capture obesity in this group of women. Almost 20% of the generally infertile women reported they were not exercising. So compared to this 20%, only 3% of gestational carriers reported not exercising. If this is true, then the gestational carriers would have had more muscle mass from exercising, and that would have increased their BMIs. The results of the study would have been more useful if other markers of obesity like waist circumference or percent of body fat had also been tested to confirm or negate the impact of BMI on pregnancy and live birth. So based on the serious weaknesses inherent in this study design, 
the results in no way should impact how gestational carriers are selected. This study is a great reminder of why the results of research are meaningless without context, and I hope next week I can bring you some research you can use. For more details on this episode, as well as past research, please head to www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in. 